0: Every day we use something that was created using a forest product. Just think about it. That desk you might be working on, that paper you might still use in your day-to-day life, or that lumber that built your home or apartment. Yet rarely do we think about where those products come from, how they are produced, and perhaps more important, the people who produce them. With 9% of the world's forests and growing demand for forest products, there is a big opportunity for Canada in forestry. As our country moves to meet zero-emission targets by 2050, Canada has the potential to be a bioenergy and biomaterials powerhouse on the world stage. The sector has embraced the emerging clean tech, low-carbon era, using innovation and new technology to create opportunities and jobs for Canadians. And yet, the road ahead is not without its challenges. Welcome to Season 5 of In Focus with David Coletto. I'm David Coletto. On this episode of In Focus, I'm joined by Derek Nyberg, the President and CEO of the Forest Products Association of Canada. Derek and FPAC have been a long-time client, and this week we released some new polling data on what Canadians know and think about forestry in Canada. Derek and I spoke about forestry, the debate about its future, and the challenges facing the industry, all in the context of the climate crisis global supply chain disruptions, and geopolitical conflict. I hope you find my chat with Derek insightful, and I hope you enjoy it. Well, uh, Derek, great to see you and, and talk to you. Thanks for joining
1: the podcast. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me, David.
0: So, uh, Derek, you're the uh, president, CEO of uh, the Forest Products Association of Canada. Um, it's, it's one of those sectors I've worked in for, for a number of years, gotten to know uh, a lot about it. But, but to be honest, as somebody who grew up uh, around Toronto and then spent most of my adult life in Ottawa, I've lived pretty far away from anything that can be described as a forest that's used to, to harvest uh, lumber or wood. Maybe you could take listeners just just through a quick briefing of of the industry in Canada, how big it is, how many people work in it, and what's what's the outlook uh, for your members right now as they uh, sort of try to get through what I imagine is a challenging period of time.
1: Yeah, I think it's challenging in different ways for a lot of a lot of different industries. So maybe starting with our footprints. So so you think about the forests across Canada. About about a little over half of our forests are unmanaged. So so more than half the forests in Canada, you know, there's no you know kind of formal act you know um harvesting activity happening on, on the remaining 49% or so, about half of that is today under some kind of a conservation measure. And I think that speaks to the, to the, 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 the multiple values management that happens in Canadian forestry. So, so in the operating area, uh, in terms of workers, we've got uh, about 225,000 uh, direct employees. Um, our ratio along from you know, direct to indirect is about three to one. So, another six hundred thousand plus uh, indirect jobs, but I, I think what's what 's interesting in our sector it's the communities that really rely on us you know I think of communities mm-hmm. like the paw Manitoba and Athelville New Brunswick you know you know the, really the biggest game in town in terms of jobs so so the rural northern remote link is really important um, I also you know you think about where we operate and where uh, indigenous peoples live um, a, a significant connection indigenous peoples in Canada now directly control 10% of the wood supply, um, over 1,400 Indigenous-owned forestry businesses, and over 12,000 Indigenous workers in our sector. So so a lot of unique um, factors or attributes of our sector mainly linked to geography. So
0: you, you talk to the CEOs of your member companies regularly. What is, if anything, keeping them up at night right now?
1: well you know today it's this was been the cp uh, yeah. work stoppage right so yeah. that resolution is really welcome you know so we have have some supply chain issue i think this is one of the challenges across multiple sectors is especially the last couple of years it's it's been really really tough with blockades and 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 work action and you know not able to get rail cars to our mills so i know minister al is working on that and we're participating in that Supply chain discussion in terms of improving, I would say Canada's reputation, because that's a that's a drain on our reputation. It's a drain on investment and confidence in Canada. Um, you know a carbon and climate are top of the list and and I think this is the biggest challenge yet the biggest opportunity for our sector you know what what you can get from a from a barrel of oil you can basically get from a tree so so we're seeing huge opportunity given the the carbon storing attributes of wood but also the displacement opportunities of wood and and what would otherwise be wood waste uh, to make things like bioplastics and biofuels so so you know the, the the green agenda that the current government is on is a real winner for our sector. Uh, I think think, uh, the biggest challenge we have is getting the government to look at our sector in a more integrated full value chain kind of way versus this series of policy one-offs we seem to find ourselves in.
0: So let's talk a little bit about sustainability and climate for a minute. I mean, if you go to your website, bold right on the front page, it says, you know, Canadian forestry is sustainable forestry. What does that mean? Um, You know, in, in terms of how it's done, and how we compare to other countries in, in terms of how we manage forests and
1: and, and yeah, how we I think the big the, the really big uniquely Canadian factor here is that we're primarily operating on public land. You know, I I chair um, my our global association uh, representing twenty eight countries around the world. I, there's no other country at that table where that has as much forest activity on government land. So that's really so the social license test is very high. And and I also say that the, the, the multiple values and the wishes of local communities is is critically important in Canada. And that's why, you know, before one tree is harvested, uh, it there's a very rigorous community consultation planning. And, and you know, with over you know 94% of the lands that we're operating on being under the purview of provincial governments, you know, governments need to sign off on the plans before a tree is harvested. So so I think we've got that unique factor in Canada. Um, the other, the other, the other part is, I think people are always surprised about is how how the planning is done, you know, depending on the province, the the planning cycles are one to 200 years out uh, looking at, you know, previous wind storms and previous fire patterns to try to emulate nature and how we're managing our harvesting. So, um, and then also that, um, you know, that commitment to keep forests is forests forever, you know, counter to what we're seeing in some countries in South America and, 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 and issues around illegal logging in places like Russia that are still a big problem. Um, we have a choice in a global market. You know, do we want to continue to 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 sell more Canadian wood to the world, or do we want to be importing more products uh, from from places like the Amazon? So we've got a really unique Canadian. Band. We also have a lot of trees. We have like nine over nine thousand trees per Canadian. So so managing those sustainably, respecting biodiversity. I'd say those are really the tenets of 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 of, of sustainable forest management in Canada. But that that community link, that community input piece, is really Critical, and I say to my urban friends, it's not unlike a residential rezoning project, right? You're going to have different people with different ideas on what that should look like. So it's 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 not always consensus. There's there are some people that might not like how a plan is unfolding, but that but that community engagement, that multiple values piece, is absolutely critical.
0: You know, this government, uh, the, the Liberal government, has talked a lot about conservation and wanting to you know protect uh, a larger percentage of of Canadian land and. And, and Shoreline and other things. Um, how is that that agenda? Does it impact the work you're doing as an association and, and as an industry in terms of, you know, wanting to see continued growth in the sector, but also having, you know, I, I assume some hurdles in in your ability to to sort of achieve that, like how do how do the, how does that all yeah. work in your day to day life? I guess.
1: Yeah, it, it's complicated as most things are in our sector, but you know, uh, forestry in Canada is inherently about conservation. Um, and and as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, if you if you if you look at the land base that we're operating on today, it's about twenty five percent of our overall forest land base because of unmanaged areas, and then also. You know, conservation initiatives that are built into our forest managing plans. You know, there's a hawk's nest there, so we need a buffer zone. There's a water um, a body there, we need a buffer around that. There's a peat land that's carbon rich, we want to protect that. There's a sensitive species over here, so all of you know the biologists and foresters do all of that that planning. So, you know, those who want to talk about conservation being a zero sum game, it's either protected or not. You know, we don't see the world that way. There's a lot of gray in our world, and 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 forestry is about conservation. The issue I'm finding is, especially in Canada, and if you're in the interior of British Columbia, or if you're in, you know, um, northern Alberta, uh, northern Saskatchewan, you've seen some pretty brutal fires the last number of years. And and fires are not only bad in in terms of how they impact the safety of communities and families and, and, you know, insurance costs and, and all these other uh, financial and, and, and human health and human safety related challenges. But fires are also pretty bad for carbon like we we've got we've got a carbon problem in our forests because of fire uh, and and not managing our forests um, and not thinning our forests and not having boots on the ground is going to make fire worse um, and I know Minister Wilkinson with his uh, New Brunswick um, a ministerial partner have launched a wildland fire strategy conversation with multiple tables we think that's really important, but just because you protect it doesn't mean it's going to be immune from the impacts of climate change. Um, um, you know, uh, I know ECCC or Environment and Climate Change Canada and, and Parks Canada have been doing some work on on assessing the, the carbon stocks in our in our protected areas. Many of our National and provincial parks are now carbon sources. Um, so, so protecting it doesn't mean that it's going to be protecting it from fire, for example. So that that that's the nexus. That's where I think we're we're encouraging the government. We, we're we're not anti-conservationist. I think we need. To, I want to be very clear about that. Um, but but we do need to be clear that that protecting it doesn't mean putting a dome over it and it's going to be beautiful and perfect and immune forever. It's going to be subject to pest infestations. It's going to be subject to wind and drought impacts fires. So so getting that balance right, casting a fire lens on our conservation initiatives, I think is going to be really, really important. But it all starts with acknowledging the important conservation that's happening within our managed or our working forests.
0: Um, so uh, today, um, we released some new polling data that, that your team commissioned our, our company to do. Um, the survey was done earlier this year, and it found know that impressions and knowledge about forestry in Canada are improving or increasing. So for example, positive impressions of the forestry industry increased by eight points since last year, by 14 percentage points since 2020. So today you've got almost half of Canadians who say they have a positive view of the industry, while only 16% view it negatively. There's still a large, but as we've seen over the last number of years in in doing this tracking, a large but shrinking number of people who say, I don't know, I don't have an opinion, it's still large, 40%. um, And I've done work in other sectors. And, uh, you know, as we've talked about a lot, Canadians don't have a a, a real appreciation um, for for forestry, they don't know a lot about it. um, But generally speaking, those that do have a a pretty good view of it. We also seen that more Canadians in the survey that we did say they at least have a limited understanding than they did last year, an eight point um, increase, which which is real and substantial. And then lastly, you know, when we ask folks to to rate how the sector is doing on things like, you know, creating good jobs, managing forests sustainably, being a, a responsible producer, um, you know, clear majority say that the, the sector is doing at least at least acceptably, but but a growing number say it's doing well or, or good on on those on those measures. Now, this research comes really off of the work that that your association has been doing uh, over the last number of years to try to increase, I think, awareness um, about what the industry is doing, about its, you know, um, its real mission to, to to be a a net zero sector and contribute, not just be net zero, but actually contribute to to reducing emissions. Can you tell us a little bit about that campaign and and what 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 instigated it and what you're hoping to ultimately achieve from it?
1: Yeah, a couple of things. I think it's about simple messages, right? Like we're 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 such a technical heavy you know, science-based, um, you know, operating across a massive amount of land in, in hundreds and hundreds of communities with, with so many people working along the chain. It's very confusing business. And I think the most confusing part is the multiple values piece. Mm-hmm. Even when you're managing for species, when, when our foresters and biologists are developing their plans, you can conceivably have a community that has, you know, moose and caribou. Well, they want different things on the landscape. So, so how do you plan for that? You know, you 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 use best science, you take local input, and you make a decision. Uh, same thing, you know, on gri- with grizzly bears. You know, we've got parts of Alberta where grizzly bears and caribou populations are both struggling, but they both want different things in terms of what that harvest looks like. Um, so, so, so I think I think you know we get caught up in our industry. And we we trip over a lot of that 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 real multiple values conflict that goes on. And we kind of get stuck there. Um, so we've really tried to be more, you know, more simplistic and straightforward in terms of our language. I think we've also, you know, I, I've been on the job now a little over six years. And I remember when I came in here, I was thinking, my God, we're really good at talking to ourselves, right? Like, wh- wh- why are we not, you know, like, I'm not, you know, people in the PAW, people in Pembroke, uh, people in Prince George know us. You know, what are we doing to talk to people in Markham? What are we doing to talk to people in Fredericton, talk to people in, 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 you know, outside of Calgary? That Those are the Communities We need to reach to more. So that, that's what has been the other focus, getting to more urban, suburban type audiences, getting to, to more women, to younger people, you know, to, 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 because these are people who are actually open to understanding the facts and learning more. That 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 ten or eleven percent of the people who can't stand us, to be quite honest, I'm not worried about them. There, you know, if 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 ten percent of the people can't stand us, I think we're doing pretty darn good. If I stack that up against other other issues, and 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 um, you know, it's not to say we're going to ignore those people, but I there I, I encounter you know during my job as my colleagues do here, sitting at tables where there are people who are not interested in any solutions. They're not interested in any balance. They want no forestry. Full stop. So so those are not the people. People we need to talk to. The, the, we need to engage with those people appropriately, but we need to talk to the people who still who don't have an opinion and there are a number of them out there and and they are open to receiving the facts and learning more. The, the other thing I'd say, you know it is that rural urban divide we find ourselves in in forestry and um, I, I think you know urban audiences now to the opportunity I'm seeing there is, we're now seeing, you know, we're seeing a renaissance or, or, or a new focus on urban forestry. You know, people in London, Ontario are seeing a pest, you know, seeing pest outbreaks in their urban forests and in their urban trees, you know, so that, you know, so think about that, you know, that, 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 that relates back to what's happening in the bigger and more northern forests as well. You know, we need to manage, we need to tend to our trees. Um, the other urban connection, I think, is the building with wood agenda. You know, we're seeing mass timber buildings in places like Vancouver and Toronto and Quebec City. That's, you know, the, the, the carbon storing power of those wood buildings, the displacement opportunity in terms of using wood versus other materials that are more fossil fuel intensive, you know, urbanites are now seeing more of that. So, so I think simple messaging, I think, you know, talking and trying to reach out to non-traditional audiences, you know, when you're dealing with Toronto life and Shadow Lane, that's where I'd prefer to be, to be honest, reaching out to those audiences. And then I think also the, 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 the connection points where, where where people in urban and suburban communities can maybe relate more to, to things like urban forestry and mass timber buildings.
0: Maybe a strange question, but when you talk to senior policy leaders and influencers, elected officials at, at the federal government level, do you, do you get a sense that they're, they're proud of Canada's sort of leadership um, and role in forestry? Is it something they, they, they like want to talk a lot about? Um, or... You're pulling teeth sometimes to get them to to acknowledge and and be advocates for the sector.
1: Yeah, I think I, 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 a number of them do for sure. I, I And I, I think there's something quintessentially Canadian about forestry still. You know, I think, you know, as urbanization increases, as more new Canadians come, that connection becomes less so than, you know, my grandma worked at the mill or my dad worked at the mill kind of thing. Um, but so so I still think it's it, it's it, my observation is it's still pretty strong. That said, um, you know, government has a lot of stuff on the go, especially the last couple of years. It's been crisis after crisis. And it's government in chaos um, with a lot of stuff beyond government's control. It, it can be tough to break through when you have a mainly urban uh, seated government and on issues like ours. Um, um, and, and so 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 I think that's been more the challenge. I, I also think one of the other challenges is, um, you know, our solutions, especially if we talk about the carbon and climate agenda, our solutions, you know, I'm kind of jealous of my colleagues in steel and cement who can just focus on emissions reductions at their manufacturing facilities and some product innovation, because we've got the land base to worry about. Like we we go all the way back and and we not only need to manage the land base for carbon, but we also need to manage it in partnership with indigenous uh, communities and indigenous cultural values and rights. We need to manage it for species at risk. We need to manage it for floods um so uh, but 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 in the forest it, it, you know we we have a huge and through fire risk mitigation a huge opportunity to do more in the carbon space then you know you you move that to the mills and the opportunity to make bioplastics and displace products like so you know, I think, you know, we, we've got this full value chain, massively complex suite of solutions and possibilities. And, and I just feel that the government just doesn't quite grasp that. Um, and, and that's one of our bigger challenges. We can, we can go on a clean fuel rig and make that work. And we can go on a wild and fire strategy and make that work. But unlike most sectors, it's all interconnected and interrelated for us. And that's that's a big challenge in terms of breaking through with government.
0: I think, you know, when, when I study public opinion uh, and look at it through the lens of like industry reputation and, and whether or not people want government to regulate an industry more or support it and sort of advance it, you know, there's, there's a number of key things we look at. One is, is just how do people feel about it? And as we said earlier, the more or less general consensus of those that have an opinion is there's nothing, most people don't see anything wrong with forestry as it is. And there's a general positive view and it's getting better over time. But when we ask people, you know, do you think Canada is a world leader when it comes to forest, how we manage our forests? Is it about average or is it less than average? You know, most people say we're about average. And my understanding, based on our conversations and and the work that I've done with you, is we are clearly above average when it comes to how we manage our forests. So so I think that's, 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 you know, despite the, the positive moves, there's still some work to be done. And I do wonder if it's because, in part, our political leaders aren't out there, you know, reminding Canadians of, of how we do things. You know, we see it, you see it in Alberta, for example, when it comes to oil and gas. Jason Kenney's always out there talking about how much uh, better and, and more sustainable that industry is relative to others around the world or, or ethical in, in some ways. Mm-hmm. But you don't hear that um, when it comes to, to, to forestry, I think, as often. Do you think... That would help in, in building sort of public support for, you know, um, seeing government not reduce regulations. I don't think that's what you're looking for, but a being a, a more of a partner and, and an advocate for the industry, not just here at home, but but around the world, because it's clear this is still a resource that um, can create wealth and, yeah. and opportunities for people, as, as you said, especially in those communities that don't have as much alternatives, right? If if your if a mill closes in, in some of those towns, you mentioned that town really, you know, takes a real back, a uh, step back in terms of its progress and its opportunities. So it, it, that just seems to me that, 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 that difference of opinion um, on, on where Canada stands is, is still a, is still an opportunity that, that could be closed with, with some yeah. help.
1: Yeah, and maybe I'll start at the micro level at that community level. You know, not only if, if you know, your, your property value drops by 50 plus percent, you know, what I mean, like you, you kind of, you know, you, you, your marriage is strained, there's stress in your home, you can't pay to send your kids to hockey or, or, or dance class. It's there, you know, we, we talk about equity and affordability. And, you know, one of the best ways we can do that is by strengthening our rural economies. And a big part of that is our natural resources sectors. And 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 I, and I you know, we hear the government talk a lot about equity and inclusion and opportunity and 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 in in, in a community I grew up in Pembroke, Ontario. I mean, like like the natural res- the, the 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 natural resource sector is critical to that community. Um, and, and I think that needs to that needs to be that needs to be acknowledged and 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 kept in mind. Um, you know, I'd I'd also say that um you know I think the, you know, what kind of a Canada do we want? You know what I mean? Like and 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 you know I think I'd rather have wood products coming from from Canada than the Amazon or eight hours outside of Moscow. You know what I mean? Like, the, but this is who we're competing with. We we look to Scandinavia a lot in terms of I think governments and, and populations that get it right. You know, what I mean, like there was a uh, there was a, a report out um, a few weeks ago. Dr. Werner Kurtz from Natural Resources Canada was one of the authors. It was with through the International Boreal Forest Research Alliance, which is all the boreal forest countries, including Russia and Sweden and Finland and and the U.S. and Canada. Um, and it pointed out it was looking at carbon stocks, and it showed that actually the Swedish and Finnish forests that were managed actually more intensively had a better carbon story plus they were providing wood and you know bio-based products for their population and actually being pretty self-sufficient you know uh, we, we don't see that as much in Canada um, and Alaska you know be, because uh, of our current approach to forest management and and that, that's not only a challenge for economic opportunity and growth but it's also a challenge on the carbon side so you know that's an important development and and, 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 and I I just met with a delegation of Finnish MPs yesterday here in Ottawa, um, and it it it's and and from left to right on the political spectrum, you know, there's some dif- difference of opinions for sure, but 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 a real understanding that 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 what do we want to build with? We'd rather build with wood. We we would rather have lo- you know less fossil fuel intensive products, and and wood waste can help get us there. We can build district heating systems using biomass. So, uh, you know, my observation in meeting with the Finnish MPs was just a much more integrated whole value chain whole of society opportunity and i i feel we're missing that in canada and and it'll be interesting to see you know with 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 the with the invasion of ukraine and the the instability and just sadness that that's bringing um, the affordability crisis. Looking at you know the rate of inflation now, like we have this resource here at home. Uh, what more can we do to develop it while driving and creating a greener economy, and at the same time keeping good family supporting jobs in communities that don't have a lot of other options? So we're, we're pretty listen. We've got a lot of challenges, but we're pretty excited about the potential. It's it's our opportunity to, to to, to push through and get policymakers to be looking at us in a more integrated kind of full value chain kind of way. Let's
0: just uh, finish the last few minutes here. Uh, it's, it's a, this is a podcast. I like to say intersection of public opinion, politics, and policy. So let's talk a little politics for a minute. You know, I, sp- I spend a lot of time um, working with, with folks like, like you, Derek and others in, in agriculture and natural resor- resource sectors who you know, I often hear—not necessarily from from association heads, but a lot of their members—feel this when I when I present that this federal government doesn't seem to either understand or, worse, care to understand their sectors very well. Um, and and do you think that's true? You mentioned earlier the you know the the, the increased urban as um nature of, of this government. If you actually look at sort of the seats that the government has in terms of its caucus, it's become more urban um over time, especially in, in minority uh government settings. Does that reflect its willingness or just its its ability to understand you know what what folks and and, and businesses in those resource-based communities are going through or Or is it just something that's never going to happen because they don't represent those communities? (sighs)
1: Yeah, I, I have hope here. Um, I, I do think that a big part of the challenge is just how, how chaotic and how many priorities there are that 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 our MPs and senior public servants have. Like these are heavy agendas. It's 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 tough to get somebody focused even in a thirty minute meeting. You know, to deeply understand it, it, it's a real challenge. So, you know, I, I think some you know I think I'm sure there's some people who don't care about forestry. i not, but 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 I, but I do I do think it's more of a lack of understanding. Lack of just bandwidth to to, to try to understand it, um, but 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 I see opportunity there in terms of connecting, um, you know, on those more urban links. You know, urban forestry, mass timber building construction. We're seeing a lot of MPs who are really energized, but some of these these mass timber buildings in in their in their more urban communities, they they see that potential, and that's a great connection point for us. You know, the 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 the, the 2015 election. You know, in 2019, we lost a number of Liberal MPs. You know, I mean, I think of people like Kim Rudd in Coburg who knew us well, Mike Bossio uh, in the Bancroft area who knew us really well, Bob Nault, you know, who you know, they were all replaced by 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 solid MPs. But but on the government caucus side, you know, if you overlay the boreal forest, which is the you know the main operating area of, of a number of our of, of 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 our sector, if you overlay that with the electoral map, there's not a ton of red there. There's a lot of orange, there's some light blue, there's there's some dark blue, and and that is a challenge as well. Um, That said, we've got a number of great champions uh, in caucus um, uh, on the Liberal side, but not as many as we had in 2015. That's for sure. Um, So that continues to be a challenge um, as a government is dealing with a very, very heavy agenda. But where we see there's nothing more frustrating uh, when you're in, in, in a leadership role like ours at an association that's really committed to doing the right thing, when you see pretty absolute value alignment of your organization with the current government because that's what I see in forestry, you know, on on equity, diversity, and inclusion, on reconciliation, on economic growth um, for, for for rural Canada, uh, on, on a transition to a lower carbon economy. We're there. Listen, our association, I think we were pariahs in the late 90s when we, we supported the Kyoto Protocol. I, I don't know of any other industry group in, in Ottawa that was on board with Kyoto, but we were. So we haven't come to this green party late. Um, but, but, but what, what I just wish more decision makers saw the full value chain opportunity versus coming to us on this one species at risk matter, or on this one clean fuel rig matter, you know, that's our biggest priority in the weeks and months ahead to get government to adopt more of a sectoral action plan approach to green growth. Um, cause forestry, for, we have the tools. Um, we just need the policy levers uh, to enable us to achieve the possible.
0: I mean, when I think of some of the liabilities, again, purely political for the for the liberals in particular, it's this idea that they have, um, you know, they don't they don't care or they they don't um, want to care about sort of some folks who live in other parts of the country. And that that polarization we're seeing, I think, reflected partly by the occupation in Ottawa and the protests and the truckers um, is that's sort of the the most aggressive and, and intense version of it. But there is this sense that I don't know is necessarily true, but it's the perception. And in my world, perception is all that matters that the government kind of is, is condescending or, or, or looks down at, at folks who work in certain sectors. And it seems to me that if, if they're looking at a longer term strategy politically, that, that in order to get back to a majority, you do have to overlay some of those communities you described with red again, that forestry kind of is, an, is a no brainer as a sector, you could go out there and say, look, you know, we, we care about innovation and superclusters and, and sort of the knowledge economy, but we also care about making sure that Canada, um, is a leader in, in some of these other sectors and forestry is a perfect example. Like, it just seems to me, as you said, that the, the value alignment is so strong that if they wanted to kind of pivot away from that, that perception, they could, they could do so fairly easily by being a partner and an advocate, um,
1: yeah, I, I think it's 30%. I think it's very easy, and I view our organization as being a tremendous bridge between this federal government and rural and northern Canada. I, I I because because of that value alignment on on desired policy outcomes, we're we're very much aligned. But but the path to get there has been excruciating. Like we we are we are we are we are, we are facing like consultations to death here. I think I think we I think we fed into eleven or twelve consultations between late November and mid January. Like I want my I, I want our team of a couple days off at Christmas, for God's sake, you know, like it it was and then and I'm not convinced anybody reads them like this is what, this is what drives me crazy. It's all these one-offs and, 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 and I get it's tough. Listen, and, and in our industry, it's even tougher because we're on provincial crown land primarily. So we've got all the, we've got all the beauty of federalism to deal with in terms of provincial responsibility, but, but no, that, you know, that that's our ask. I think we can be a real bridge. And I, you know, I grew up in Pembroke. You mean, like I'm, i I've stayed pretty close to the ground, you know, despite how Privileged, I recognize I am in this role and to have have what I have, uh, but but I'm you know I, I'm i my mom and dad's every few weeks, and my mom and dad are on oil because natural gas does not go to RR seven Pembroke. My mom and dad, I you know as uh, you know, I've been very progressive parents and supporting their gay son and are really involved in their community and are really good people, but 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 their bills, life is getting more expensive for them, and and I do think what we saw in the convoy here, and this is. Derek as an individual speaking versus my organization, but, you know, like we saw, you know, I, I live, you know, just a few kilometers from the core. So this was, this was awful. I, I hated every minute of this. Um, and there was some really dark sides to that, which I think is very unsettling to anybody who lived here. But I know some people who came here on the weekends. And they're not bad people, right? But they're people who are feeling more insecure. They're feeling they don't have a voice, and 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 I hope we listen to that in some way that does not that does not advantage or pay more attention than needed to the hateful elements that were present. But there is an element of insecurity, and we're seeing that in rural Canada. Um, and 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 I think when people become a bit more insecure or more concerned about their economic prospects, their ability to provide for their families, um, they can. Do things that maybe are a little bit out of character or seem kind of nasty, and and uh, anyway, it's you know I, I share that because be, just because of where I've I've come from and 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 uh, and a, and a community that I stay close to, and I just I. Uh, I'm worried about the affordability piece. Um, I'm I'm really worried about what this means for families. You know, I know I'm going to be fine. You know what I mean like, but that's, but but this is about those families that don't have the privilege that I have or don't have. You know, I think in in terms of public policy development, we need to be more mindful of that. I also think the words we use matter. Who knows what net zero is? My mom and dad don't know what net zero is. Um, you know, so how do we how do we move? from that well-intended, I believe, position of, of trying to do the right thing, but, but, but do more talking with people than talking at them. And um, I, I, I think, I, as I said, I think forestry can be a tremendous bridge. We've got a lot to offer we can drive economic and, and low carbon slash green opportunity concurrently. And we can do that at the same time as advancing reconciliation with indigenous people. So, you know, we stand, you know, we, we're, 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 we're ready to help and we're ready to do more. Um, but, but I think the big ask we have, of course, is just a more clear, and I don't want to say strategy, because when I hear strategy, I want to go hide under the desk, right? Like, but but we, we, need, we need an action plan that's more comprehensive, that's going to lift our sector and its people.
0: Well, my my hope is, and I think not all political actors in Ottawa, I think, are feeling this way. But I think by us watching what's going on in in Ukraine and what's gone on in the United States, that we do feel that you know where we are increasingly divided as a country. Um, we we had some survey research we did a few weeks ago that showed you know Canadians, most Canadians are feeling we we are more divided. Maybe the news. You know, this week of the NDP Liberal kind of agreement to bring some stability to government will will. I'm not wishful to believe politics will always extrude itself from from public policymaking, but maybe that stability will give us a chance to kind of f- focus on some of those bigger pictures now that that the threat of an election every every few months is is off the table. But um, any, anyway,s really really fascinating um, conversation, Derek, and I think you know beyond those interested in forestry or natural resources or, or all the things that your members are doing, there's, there's, there's a lesson in this conversation about our our politics and, and how as a country, we, we, we bridge the divide between an increasing urban country, but one that has this massive landmass with lots of resources that people around the world are going to want. And as it feels like our, our world gets smaller, but also you know, walls are being put up um, our ability to kind of sell what we have as being, you know, more sustainable and better is only going to find, I think, more and more, um, more and more interest in, in some parts of the world. So, yeah, I uh, it's been always great working with you. And I look forward to, to, to working with you again. And I uh, thanks so much for joining the podcast today.
1: Yeah, listen, th- thanks. Uh, thanks so much for having me.